Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Pastor Cole, Pastor Amy, on behalf of Rosie and I, I want to thank you for being very supportive of our ministry, being friends. Uh, we delight in being a support to you. Thank you for believing in this lady when she came out with uh, Release Leadership Network. Thank you for your prayers because I know you pray for us. Thank you for being so much fun to be around, especially Pastor Amy. Conta very contagious. Uh, you have a special, sweet anointing and charisma. Thank you for being an inspiration to us. On behalf of my wife and I, we love you. Amen. So go with me. I am ready to go into God's word. Go with me in the book of Habakkuk. Is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible, if you're visiting with us, or you're in your home and you're watching through live stream, uh, you can join us uh, in reading God's Word. But if you're here and you didn't bring a Bible, uh, there's a blue Bible in the pew in front of you, in the backrest of the pew in front of you. You can use that Bible and open it to page 1463. That's where I will be reading from. Page 1463. Like I said in the first service, I don't think I've ever, I don't remember ever preaching from this verse in this chapter. And um, I have been struggling. When I say struggling, I've been battling actually because I say, you know, I'm usually familiarized with the book I'm reading or the book I'm going to preach about, teach about. But I was very delighted to be exposed to this book. I knew some, some of it, but... Um, I discover in my reading that this, this first and second chapter of this book, um, he is the only prophet in the Old Testament and among all the prophets in the Bible. He's the only prophet that has a conversation with God, a one-on-one -on -one with God, where he goes up to God and he asks, he asks God questions. Not that, he holds, not that he held God accountable, but he asked God questions because things weren't making sense. And in his reasoning... He needed to have things make sense in order to continue to believe, but more importantly, in order to be able to share with his people as a prophet of God. And the portion where I'm going to write is, uh, the, I'm sorry, the portion that I'm going to read, the verses, two verses I'm going to read, is part of God's response, response to his question. He was asking God, God, how, how come the wicked seems to, seem to prosper? How come... Uh, here's my complaint. How much longer are we going to continue to wait for your help? He cried out to God because there was so much violence in the land. It seemed as if God was not paying attention to all the injustices that were happening, happening around that time. And to the prophet, to Habakkuk, this bothered him. Because he grew up believing in a righteous God. He grew up trusting that God is almighty and all-powerful and all-righteous. So he brought questions before God. There was destruction. There was violence before him. There, there was strife and 
And everywhere he looked, there was a lack of order and a lack of everything he grew up learning and being exposed to. So after having posed that que those questions to God, God decides to give him an answer. I don't know about you, but I love it when God gives me answers. And I feel so safe to go before God because no matter what questions I bring before him, I know he has all the answers. He might not have all the answers when I want him to give them to me, but I know that ultimately, if I continue to look at him and trust in him and wait in him and run towards him, I know I will not be disappointed. So I've entitled today's teaching, Run With It. Can you say with me, run with it? So the, this message is going to be a transition and, and a progression of different conversations and words that were spoken by this prophet. Then I'm going to look at Nehemiah. I'm going to look at uh, John the Apostle. And I'm going to look at Jesus, some of the words he said. And they all ran with what God gave them. And I firmly believe that this word today is an invitation From God saying to every single one of you here today and every single one of you watching through via live stream. Where God is inviting us to come run with him. To receive God's word and run with it. To get to take hold of, a, of the vision that God has given to this house. And believe in him and not doubt for a single moment that the word is true. That the word is faithful. And that the word will be come to will come to pass. Verse 2, I'm reading off of the New American Standard Version, the NAB. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, and the one who reads it, that the one who reads it may run. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. The New International Version says, Then the, word, the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Father, I am, I am an imperfect man. But I am a man that trusts in you. And I place before me and before your people myself exposed, totally broken before you. Father, I pray that You give me utterance, clarity, fluidity to be able to share with your people what comes from you. Heal every imperfection, God, so that your people will be edified through your word. And may they remember the message and not the messenger. In Jesus' name, amen. Prophet, Prophet Habakkuk was a prophet that we know very little about. We don't know his parents, unlike some of the other prophets. We don't know what tribe he came from. We don't know exactly 
where he lived. All we know, and we find him in this book, having a conversation with God and posing God questions and really having a hard time making sense of the time that he was called to live in. In the Bible, this prophet appears all grown up. His formation already done. His the theological training already taking place. We find him in the Bible already executing on the ministry of a prophet. And he's not controversial, but he speaks his mind. He's very candid with God. He doesn't come before, he doesn't go before God we, with sophisticated words or very presumptuous or in a very religious manner. He goes before God in flesh and bone as a human being, very candid, very sincere. And if there's something that God really appreciates from, from those that seek him, is that they seek him with genuineness. God's not looking for perfection. And for us to aspire to be perfect, we will be totally foolish. But the day of perfection will come. In the meantime, and until then, we are called to approach God with genuineness. With, open heart, with an open heart. With sincerity. Meaning what we say and saying what we mean. And that's exactly how this prophet approached God and said, something is not right. There's a lot of injustice. Your people are hurting. There was social, social injustice. There was religious injustice. There was financial injustice. All kinds of injustices among society. And the prophet goes before God and says, I need a word from you. I need a sense of direction. I need a sense of why we are where we are and where are we supposed to go. And in that conversation, the prophet in the subsequent uh, verses, he speaks and he prays because he understands that you can only come before God when you have something to say. And what I, remember what I said, something to say doesn't mean audibly you can speak in your mind you can speak you can come to God with your heart and he will listen to what your heart has to say so it doesn't matter the situation you may find yourself in or the circumstance that surrounds you you can come before God at any moment at any time under any circumstance with with whatever questions you have it is guaranteed that you will walk away from that conversation with him giving you an answer So there's some key words in these two verses that I want to point out to you. The first word is record. When, when God tells Habakkuk to record what he's about to give him, the vision, to record the vision. The second word is inscribe. When he tells the, the prophet to inscribe the vision, to communicate it to his people. The following, the third question is hasten and then tarries and then wait. These are, these are five words that I want to share with you because they're, they're important. They are the action words of this message. They, are the, they, they encapsulate the action of what the prophet is called to do. So the first word means to record. He tells the prophet, I want you to record the vision. One of the ways that we record where we've been in the past, and we've done this since the Polaroid camera was invented, 
We record the past by taking pictures. We record the past by taking videos. Nowadays in the digital age, we record the past. Once the service is over, there will be a video archive of this service and everything. And this service will become part of the past. We record the past so that we, we can memorialize where we've been, what we've said, who, who we've been with. The, and we try to remember the experience that we had in, in, with whoever we were with. God is asking the prophet not to record it so it becomes part of the past, but to record it so that it's not erased by the circumstances that are surrounding the prophet and God's people. God is asking the prophet to write it down in those times that he didn't have, they didn't have anything digitally. They didn't have, any, they didn't have paper like we have nowadays to write on. They used to write on tablets of stone and wood and leather. So the prophet is being given instructions to write it down. In other words, whatever, whatever vision God was giving him, God is instructing him to make a written statement out of it so that it will, it will not be forgotten. He tells him, write it, and write it with, some, with as, as legible of a, le a size letter as possible so that there is no excuse for the young and the old, the educated and the uneducated to, up, to be able not to read the, the vision. So he, he tells the prophet, I want you to write it in such a way as clear as water. And write it on a stone, write it on a tablet so, that, so it will become immovable. So it will be unerasable. There are things that we forget every day. There are things that we have to write notes about every day because we forget them. Not that they're not important. Is that, as you know, as we age, our ability to remember dec decreases. We remember less. Our cognitive abilities are not on the increase. So that's why you have more mental exercises than anything else. And believe me, I'm practicing some of those every single day. Don't try to date me. It's not part of the message. I'm just trying to stay healthy, stay fit. Mentally, because I know God still has things to do through me, for me, and with me. But God was inviting the, the prophet to do an exercise a written exercise so that everyone will be benefiting from that exercise. If I ask you today, right now, you don't have to answer this question or raise your hand. And I ask you today, do you know the vision of Central Assembly of God? If you know the vision of Central Assembly, can you articulate it clearly? And if you know it and you, and you are able to articulate it, Clearly, the third question I want to ask you is, how often do you do that? How, how often do you integrate it as part of your, your work as a volunteer here in the congregation or your interactions with other people? We have to constantly write things in our minds, in our digital devices, in our notepads, because writing is part of learning. Writing is part, is part of remembering. And God wanted to make sure that he asked the prophet to write it down so that everyone, he says, so that everyone that passes in front of it, even the ones that are running, they can read it easily and run with it. 
Whenever God gives a vision, it's not for one place at one time at one moment in history. A vision is a dynamic state of the future. It means it's not stagnant. It moves. It has lives, especially if it's a vision that comes from the Most High. Psalm 150 says, everything that has breath, everything that has breath. God is expecting that of you and me. Why? Because we're alive. We move. We speak. We move. We jump. We run. We breathe. So every organism that has a dynamic experience ought to say something great about God. Now, we the church, when I say the church, I'm referring to the Christian church in general, not Central Assembly. We the church have, complica have complicated access to God for generations. Involuntarily, sometimes we've complicated things. And sometimes if we're not very soaked with the simplicity the simplicity of the gospel, we tend to complicate things. But God is very easy to love. God is very easy to understand. And God very easily understands us because he created us. So number one, he says, write it, record it, so no one can erase what I'm saying to this generation. But then he says, inscribe it. To inscribe is something else. To inscribe means tone it down. Bring the vocabulary to a level with, where, where everyone, the little as well as the old, the uneducated, and the educated, ever bring the level down, tone it down so that it's understandable to everyone. The gospel, the good news, is so simple. It, all you have to do, all I have to do is accept the fact that God loved me first. And every love I can develop towards him is a, is a consequence, a result of the fact that he loved me first. That's it. And for me to love everyone, I love God, that's the vertical. I love people, that's the horizontal. That's easy. Oh, well, you say, you know, that's easier said than done because if you would live with the people that I live and you know the people that I know, Every true believer, every true believer in Christ cannot develop the idea that you can only develop a great love for God and not for his people. It has to have both. If I just try to love God, I'm trying to live in a bubble. That's not the gospel. If I try to love, love on the people without loving God, that's just humanism. That's all that is. But if I love God and allow his love to change me, then I'm developing wisdom in, in my life as a result of the fact that he loved me. Then when I go on loving other people, I foresee all their flaws. I go beyond and I pass any mistakes people have, any wrong people have done me. You know why? Because every person that God calls, every leader, how many of you believe that God has called you to lead even if it's the cat in your house or the, or, or the, or, or the dog in your house? Raise your hand. Every single person, he has a leading responsibility. 
You have a leading responsibility. Whether you accept it or not is a different thing. To lead means to influence, to exercise influence. When, my, when our kids were young, they were seven years old. They were in their formation years. I remember when Lemaris was in Rosie's womb. Rosie was expecting Lemaris. Lemaris had not even been born. And I, I'm a music lover. I love music. All genres of music. I love music. I've been retired. Someone retired me from music. I don't know how. But I've been retired from music. But when I was young, I used to put my headphones on Rosie's belly and play music. And I would play jazz. I would play salsa. I would play praise and worship. And we, we would see how the belly would move. And I didn't believe that it would have such an influence. And my wife would pray for Lemaris, for, for her womb. And I would lay hands. And, Lemar and my wife always prayed that, because I told Rosie, God gave me a vision. God gave me a vision that we were going to have a girl. And the girl was going to be a daddy's girl. She would tell me, Daddy, I love you every single day. There's no husband in her future that will be able to, she won't be able to love as much as her father. And I thank God that God has answered my prayer. I know why some of you are thinking you're right. Maybe to you, not to me. And I prayed. And God gave me a sweetheart. When I haven't gotten love, she comes and she gives me love. I don't have to ask her. Daddy, I love you. And she always runs. We went to her graduation when she graduated from undergrad. She runs to me and she has, she really is not embarrassed. She is, I'm not going to give your age, honey. You, to me, you're still my little girl. She runs to me as if she's six, five. What daddy doesn't love that? But guess what? That's the fruit that I'm experiencing. But I had to sow first. You can't expect to eat sweet fruit if you don't sow first. God tells the prophet, I want you to inscribe it. I want you to tone it down so that everyone understands it. There's no excuse in this congregation. And I, I am humbled by the, re, the fact that as the lead pastor, you entrusted this sacred space to me. And it's not because of any special quality. God touched his heart and the heart of the leaders. And I have my responsibility to go and study. To go stay late at night and wake up early in the morning and ask God, okay, this is not an everyday preaching. I have preachings and I have teachings that I can draw from to preach on a regular Sunday. This is not that kind of preaching. This is a once in a year kind of preaching. Perhaps a once in a generation kind of preaching. Perhaps a, a one and only shot kind of preaching because some, some of you, we won't see you again. And the, the significance of this teaching has to do with the fact that this is a, today's teaching is a prophetic statement from God. To you collectively as a church, but individually as a person, that you need to wait for God's vision in your life. And you need to run with faith and not be distracted by anything in between. He tells the prophet, 
I want you to uncomplicate things. Make it easy for people to follow me. Make it accessible. Post it in such a way, in such a way that even the person that passes by, casually walking by and seeing the tablet inscribed with the vision, they are able to run with it. That's why corporations, when they and, and people that work in putting organizations together, a mission statement and a vision statement ought to be the most simplistic. One two-line statement that encompasses the future state of where you see your organization going. It's not, about, it's not about a whole bunch of jargon and paragraphs of things that have no meaning. People get turned off. We've seen the change in the digital age. Web pages with a whole bunch of written material are disappearing. People are not interested in reading anymore. What they're looking at is at the, dy the dynamics of a, of a digital presence that incorporates video with, with, with images that depict a message that's clear and understood by everyone. That's why they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Because you can look at a picture and be able to admire everything that will take longer to say in words. Number three, he says, hasten. What does that mean when he, said, when he tells the prophet, it hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. It means the following. When God gives a vision to a person and you understand it, it's your choice whether you move in the direction of the vision or you move in a different direction. But I got news for you. God has already given the order for the vision in its future state. Remember, God is not subject to time like you and I. You and I, we go by time, morning, day, afternoon, evening, night, days, hours, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millennia. We are bound by time, but God is not. That word that God is giving you today, it's already being released, has been released by God to meet you sometime in the future. But it's up to you if you run towards it. Or if you run in a different direction. But the word that God's given to you collectively as a congregation and individually has already been, been destined to go and meet you at a certain point. Some people say, how come I never realized my dreams? Oh, I Some people say, oh, I have, God spoke to me, I have this idea. God doesn't give ideas. If God gave ideas, he will be a little God. What God gives is visions and dreams. Oh, God spoke to me. He's telling me to go into this ministry or do this or do that or launch this or launch that. Well, let me ask you, did you write it down? Let me ask you, did you plan for it? Let me ask you, did you set out a strategy? Let me ask you, is he asking you to do it all by yourself? Or do you think he wants other people to partner with you? I got news for you. The era of doing things by themselves are long gone. God is doing similar things with other people. And it's key that you network with other people who are as anointed, as called, and have a passion to see God's word come to fruition. So if I say God gave me this, God gave me that, and I, I don't take any one of those steps... All I'm doing is I'm just thinking aspirationally. Be careful what I say that God gave me or what God said. I said to the first congregation, 
I respect. I respect means that I recognize when someone says something, doesn't mean I agree with it 100%. Either because it doesn't make sense logically, it doesn't make sense theologically neither. And I know how to tell the difference between what, when God makes sense of something that doesn't make sense. I understand that. But I'll tell you this. For God to speak to the prophet, this prophet Habakkuk, and any of the other prophets, and for me to say God speaks to me every day and gives me this every day, do you think that I will be, I will be a total mess? Because God's word is so overwhelming that it takes the human understanding to process it more than one second, more than a minute. To be able to preach to you today, I've had to spend more than 12 hours studying for 45 minutes of your time. For me to process, for me to read, for me to battle with the words, what does this mean? Did I get it wrong? No, I got to go back and read it. What does someone else say? Did anyone else in the Bible say something else? How are people going to receive this? And then I have to add to the content of the Bible, I have to add my emotions. I have to add my experiences to find some relevance so that you don't think that I, that I live in some supernatural, super spiritual bubble. No, I'm human like you. I struggle like you. I ask God like you do. I get sick like everybody else does. But when God's word comes towards me, I run towards it because I know there's healing in my life. And that's what God's calling this church. Run toward him. Run with the vision. Take it with you wherever you go. Then he says, although it tarries. In other, other translations, says, although it may delay. Although it may, though it may linger. It's not that God is running behind. It's not that God is stuck in traffic. In interstellar traffic. It's not that. There's nothing that can stop God. When, when God is determined to use you, you can scream, kick and scream, but God is going to have his way. You know, I share in the first service that we moved to the Lehigh Valley here in Bethlehem. Many of you know where I live, very close by. I don't give you the address because I can't have all of you at once. In 2002, Caleb was 60, 60 days old. I remember we came in the dead of winter in January. We came, we came house hunting. Caleb was 30 days old in December, January. Remember, Rosie? We came and we drove around. We did it backwards. Did it backwards. We had no pre-approval. We just came window shopping. We used to live in Manhattan, New York City, Washington Heights. That's where I grew up. And I remember we would drive, and I have, I have one or two friends here, and they told me it's nice. The schools are better. You know, the taxes lower. And you can afford it. I looked in New Jersey. I looked in New York. I couldn't afford anything. Pennsylvania was it. God was in Pennsylvania in 2002. <laughs> and we came. And we, I remember that's when in 2002 there was, an, there was not a lot on the Internet. But I remember we printed 10 houses. And we went to the township. We looked at houses in the township. Everything around Freemansburg Avenue, all that was cornfields. There weren't a lot of houses there. But the, price, the prices of the houses were outside of my budget. I couldn't afford it. 
And we kept on looking. Then someone told me, go to Johnston Drive. Johnston Drive was like right next to Makeda. Makeda Road and all the houses were expensive there too. And I said, I like, he, I like it here. I like the fact that we have enough yard that kids can run around. And then we went. And then I, I said to my wife, we only have one left to go look at. She said, I don't like it. I said, why not? Because it doesn't have a garage. And I said, but we're not going to sleep in the garage. But, and I said, can we please go look at it? Lesson, lesson learned from me. Whatever, I, from that moment forward, whatever I needed to do, I needed to make sure that it was approved by the first lady. So I proposed and she approved. Okay? Come on, don't pretend like you're, come on. <laughs> Anyways, we went to see the house. We had no appointment. We called the listing agent. Okay, we call the listing agent and say, hey, we're right in front of the house. We would like to see the house. She said, let me call to see if you guys can stop by. The owner is still occupying the house. I said, okay. So she calls and she calls us back and she said, guess what? They're going to let you see the house. So we go and we see the house. The lady, the agent I had never met, she became my agent and to this day, wonderful relationship with her. Wonderful woman, but we go in the house, and the lady that lives in the house, she says, I've been praying for pastors to buy this house. And I know this is going to be your house. Now, if you are in the shopping market right now, if you're house hunting, brother, sister, I got I to gotta tell you, pray. Because when you pray and God answers, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And I remember we enter the house. And I kid you not, pastors, I kid you not. Rosie, she gave us the key of the house. She said, take the keys. You can come and look at it whenever you want. She said that. And I'm this lady's crazy. We, we start touring the house. And there's Bibles in the bedroom. And she says, when are you coming back? I said, well. I was going to, I told, I had asked Rosie if we could bring my parents to, it was my first house. So I wanted to make sure my parents were there and they guided us through the process. She said, I wanted to come back with my mom and dad. And she said, yeah, bring him. <laughs> bring him. And I'm like, what? We come a second time. Then she befriends Rosie. And she tells Rosie, Rosie. No, backtrack a minute. Rosie tells me. I'm going to say it in Spanish. Yo voy a poner una señal. I'm going to ask God for a sign. But she doesn't tell me what the sign is. She keeps it to herself. She's being selfish. I wanted to support her in prayer, but she doesn't tell me. How many of you husbands know that your wives don't tell you everything? And all of a sudden, they hit you with something new that they've been praying about. Come on, do I have any witnesses here? I'm okay with that because I know she's a woman of prayer. Can't go wrong with that. So sure enough, by the way, I'm not going off on a tangent. I'm, this is part of the message. Get to the house. And right before, before we put the offer on the table, she tells Rosie, 
before, I think it was before we put the offer or shortly after, but we hadn't gotten the approval, we hadn't done the closing. She tells Rosie, Rosie, you're already calling my wife by first name. You know the Spanish ladies, they know that they, you may meet them right now and then, but they think they know you for 10 years. I love that about our culture. It makes it warm. It makes it welcoming. You know, it's not like a distance. Oh, do you have any sugar, by the way? No, everyone is, they just welcome you. And she was very welcoming, and, and it felt very, very genuine. She says, Rosie, let me tell you something. I'm going to give you this, this, and this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you free. What was that? It was a quilt that she had in one of the beds that Rosie fell in love with. One quilt, but she didn't tell the lady anything. The, cur well, uh, the set of curtains in the living room and an area rug in the dining area. When she told Rosie that, my wife color changed. And I thought she wasn't feeling well because she had just given birth to Caleb. Unbeknownst to me, she tells me, those are the three things I ask God for. We're friends with that lady. Actually, she calls my children her grandchildren to this day. The person that sold us the house. And to this day, that house is a testimony. So well, how does that connect? It connects because even though it may tardy, it, 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 may, it may be tardy or it tarries, whichever uh, word you want to use, you must wait for it. Because God knows your needs. God knows what you need. God knows your circumstance. God knows exactly where you've been, where you come from, and where he wants you to be. So when Caleb read in Proverbs, do not trust your own understanding, God has given you intellect, but don't trust it alone. Place your intellect at the feet of the cross, and he will give you wisdom to make the best decisions ever. So a church that has, that has a vision is a church just like Habakkuk understood that the, the vision is waiting for you in the future. God has already spoken the word, and then he says, wait. Wait for it. Some, some of us get desperate when we pray to God and when we say we have a vision as a church and we don't see the vision come to fruition. We get desperate. We get impatient. Well, when is it going to happen? How long has it been? We've been doing the same thing for three months, for six months, for a year, for two years. We must learn to wait. We must learn to understand that when God is cooking something good, the slower it is, the better the outcome. I'll tell you another story, quick story, because I got to move on. A year, less than two years after living the house, God calls us to move to California. When God calls us to move out west, he doesn't tell, he doesn't tell us we got to go to California. He just starts sending people, telling us, you guys better leave. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. God's going to take you out of here. And I'm like, where are we going? Where are we going? Can I make a confession? Okay, this group. Can I make a confession to you? I had an idea where it was. And I called La Rosa del Monte, the moving company. 
And I called my father-in-law and I said, I call him dad, my father-in-law. Dad, I have my biological father and I, want, I love my father. But to me, my father-in-law is my second father. I called my, my father-in-law and I said, dad, I need you to give me the keys to the house in Puerto Rico. Because Rosie and I and the kids, we're moving to Puerto Rico. We're going we're gonna to live right by the beach. The beach is like from here to the curb. So we're going to go surfing every single day. And I said, thank you, God, because it's a wonderful place to do ministry. <laughs> it is. I have been going there to preach several times. And I loved it. I love the culture. I love the people. I love the food. And the beaches are amazing. Even though I'm not, I'm not from there, I loved, I loved everything about it. And I had an idea, so I was trying to pull an Abraham moment. Okay? Trying to help God. And I had everything done. All the estimate, everything. Then I remember I went to preach in Lebanon, PA. In the dead of winter. I'm, call, I'm driving over there. I go, I preach. And I come back. On my way back, my wife calls me. And she says, hey, God just told me something. And I said, what did he tell you? That many doors will open, but only his will, will open, and they're going to close. And they're gonna but only one is going to remain open. I said, okay, well, let me do inventory how many doors. And I started writing down the doors. I started writing doors, and I came to a list of 14. 14 doors. And every single one of them. I had to start crossing them out, crossing them out, crossing them out. I remember I got a, a call back then in 2003. I got a call from Salem, Oregon, where Church Extension Plan headquarters is. And I remember I got a call because one of my friend's superintendent was part of the executive board. And they were looking for a bilingual person to travel the entire country. That's when all the church extension plans really started taking off and, and helping the churches build, uh, re renovate their sanctuaries or buy properties. And I said, I got this. I sent my resume, and I knew I was in Puerto Rico preaching. And I remember I sent the Federal Express. I spent almost $30 Federal Express from Puerto Rico all the way to Salem, Oregon. And I remember he said, send it to me. And he said, Brother Mendoza, you're in. If I'm in, you're in, Brother Mendoza. And I said, I got, it's good to have allies and board, and board, and board members, right? I said, okay. He calls me a couple of times. He said, Brother Mendoza, I am so sorry. He apologized. I said, no, no, no. I learned my lesson. God told me that many doors were going to close. We're good. Like, my, like the young kids say nowadays, we're chill. You know, we're chill. We're good. Everything's good. We're, we're closed. And I kept crossing lines, crossing lines, crossing lines. And one day I remember it was in June of 2014. I get a call from somebody and says, God told me that you're the man, you're coming over, uh, we need help, come over. And I remember I said, I was in the, in the guest room downstairs at the lower level. My wife was with me and a very close friend of mine. Almost 11 p.m. at night, he calls me, he says, Oscar, are you coming? And I remember I said, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. And I totally shut that door. And I hung up the phone. My wife and my friend looked at me. My wife said, this is 2004 now, a little less than two years after having bought the house. My wife says, I think you said no, and you shut the door that is God's door. And I remember I said to her, well, I, it didn't, I can't take credit. All I remember is that I said these words. Well, if it's God's door, there's no man that can shut what God keeps open. And I said it with conviction, even though I already, I already shut the door. What was I going to do? Pick up the phone and say, hey, oops, I should have said yes, and somehow I said no. No. 
I had shut the door and I was not daring God. I was not challenging God, but I needed to have my experience with conviction that the decision I was about to make was a God decision. And I remember the person called me right back in five minutes. He called me. He was meeting with the board. And he said, Oscar, I want you to know that I respect the decision you made. But I want you to know that your decision has tragic consequences. And then he said this, and what I'm about to tell you, all credit to my wife because she reminded me in between services. It's good when you have a, pray, a, a prayer woman. You know why? Remember I told you no one's perfect. My son said nobody's perfect. No, I'm not perfect. Every great communicator, every effective preacher communicator needs to have people that give him critical feedback. If you aspire to lead people, you better gather people around you that you can trust, that love you with all your imperfections, but that you are not afraid or you are not, or you don't get upset because someone gives you critical feedback. And my wife, my lovely wife, said to me in between services, honey, are you going to remember everything you said in the first service? And I said, I think so. And she said, well, you forgot something. And I said, what was that? You forgot to say that. I said, you're right. I mean, how many of you husbands know that your wives love when you tell them they're right? And I said it three times. Honey, you're right. I made a mental note. To make a mental note, you have to repeat th uh, things ten times in your mind to have a greater chance to remember. Did you know that? That is an exercise. So I made a mental note, she's right, I'm just being obedient. So he said this, this is what she wanted me to make sure that I said to you. He said, I want you to know that your decision has tragic consequences, but the door is still open. When he said the door is still open, it's as, as if I heard God say, Remember that I said that my door will be remaining open, even though I voluntarily shut it close. And when he said that, I said, what do you want me there? July, a month later, I said, I'm going July. July, I left to Southern California. My family followed me three months, two and a half months later. We spent a decade in California the most wonderful vacation that we've and the longest vacation we've ever had in California, 10 years. Whenever you follow God's lead, you're not going to err. You're not going to make a mistake. You're going to enjoy the right every single, every single day of your life. And every experience in between, you're going to enjoy it. Because it's going to make you grow. It's going to make you trust God greater. So this is an invitation for me to say to the church, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you understand God's called the church, Whatever vision the pastors have been leading, whatever, whatever vision, whatever statement you've been giving, memorize it. Make the mental note. Make the note in your heart. Travel with it. Run with it. Listen to it. Patient. Be patient with it. Wait for it because it's going to come. It's going to materialize and you don't want to miss it. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the run. Enjoy every experience in between because no matter how difficult it is, it's all part of the process because at the end, you're going to grow. You're going to be more mature. You're going to be able to lead people and exercise influence over multitudes.
what is vision? To have a vision is to, is to have the key of having meaning in your life. I'm in slide number six, sister. The key for life, having meaning, is to have vision. The next, uh, the one before that. To have vision is to have the blueprint of your future. I can't get up every day and just go about whatever I feel like doing every day. I need to plan. We need to plan. God doesn't just throw things at random and see what happens. Maybe he does. And if he does, because he's God. He knows how to create things. You and I are created beings. We are intelligent. But God has called us to prepare and plan before we can execute. To have vision is to have an aim to a more attractive future. And that future includes people, a place, or a circumstance, or a situation. However long you've been in Central Assembly, your ride is not over. However long you've been here, you have not experienced the best. How do I know that? Because this word is being given to all of us today. And that means that our future will look better than how our past has been. And if you newcomers like us that we've been, that we've come and we've gone and God has pulled us out and has brought us back and you have been so wonderfully warm with us. I believe in this word because I know your vision, what God has placed to be the most impactful church in the Lehigh Valley. That's no easy thing. It's not impossible. But it requires work. It requires discipline. It requires being of one mind. It requires that if you're going to express your differences with someone else, that you honor the spiritual authority that person represents in your life. It means that I, I must not step over anybody because I think I'm greater than anybody else. No. I must treat everyone with dignity and respect, thinking, like Paul says, having him in higher esteem than what I think of myself. I love what Henry David Thoreau said. It's not enough to be busy, so are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? Why do we do things the way we do them? Why do we find ourselves doing certain things? There has to be an objective. It can't be just random things happening. Because then it's going to sooner or later lead to chaos. We're being led by... A couple, there are the lead pastors and a pastoral staff that are attempting day in and day out to do effective work. To do work of God efficiently. To administer God's work and God's people in a way that is uplifting. Why should I expect any less of me as a member of this congregation? I don't need a title to do that. The same blood that washed them washed me. Proverbs 29, 18 says, when there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. You see, there's a big difference between having vision and not having vision. When you are in a church such as this one that has vision, you can't expect for you to do anything you want, opinionate any way you want, and expect things to go your way always. I can't do that. 
When there is vision, there has to be restraint. And restraint is not to prevent you from growing. Restraint has to do with direction. The restraint has to do with structure to provide direction and coordination. To promote collaboration among peers. To promote, bring your best and I bring my best and let God do the rest. That's a good title for another message. Bring your best, I bring my best and let God do the rest. But imagine if I bring my best and someone else bring their worst, we're going to crash and we're going to clash. What if two people bring their worst? Oh, you have no idea the kind of day I had. Guess what? God created today and every single day is no different than any other day. Brother Mendoza, that's cold. No, that's not cold. Let's just plant ourselves on the ground that God has given us because it's holy ground. And give God my best. Give God our best. God asks everyone to listen and to read the vision. But he only gave it to one man to write it. He gave the instructions to one man. Most of us don't dare go one-on-one -on -one with God. Why? Because as soon as we turn off the lights, we are spooked. We think that someone is there. And how is it that Christians, quote-unquote, they can sense evil spirit and evil presence more frequent than how they can experience God's presence. Explain that one to me. If you think that I'm spirit-filled, I can identify demons and sense demons more than what I can sense the Holy Spirit is in front of me. How, how does that make sense? Because if the Spirit of God is in me, it will set me free. That means I'm going to be a vessel of giving freedom to other people and I'm going to see God's glory. I'm going to see God's grace. I'm going to see God's favor in everything we do and say. I have so much to give you. I have no time. That's exactly what Jesus said to the apostles in John 16, 12. He said, I have more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You know, so when someone, if someone tells me, God gave me a word for you, I'm going to tell you right now. When someone says, I have a word of God for you, I'm being obedient and submissive and I will listen. I'm not going to get all excited and, and, and do all kind of crazy things while you're giving me the word. Why? Because my job is to listen. And I'm going to stay, again, I'm going to play chill, stay cool, calm, and collected, and you give me the word. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if it's a word from God, it's going to be a confirmation to something that God has already be tugging in my heart through his word. Because every word that comes in any other mean is a confirmation of the revelation that has already been given, the wisdom that has already been given. And that's a fact. Or like my son and my daughter says, facts. It's important that we understand that things won't necessarily happen the way we want them, expect them, or we would like them to happen. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to move how he wants. It was a very special spiritual moment in this service, and I don't know if everybody caught it. There was a wave when you sensed the Holy Spirit. I got goosebumps in my body, and I was sitting in that corner, just staying cool, conserving my energy for the preaching. And I said, 
wow. I can sense a wave of the spirit moving. When all the dance team was here and doing that last number, God used them in a powerful way. Now, don't feel bad if you didn't feel what I felt. I'm saying that to say God is in this house. And God has a purpose and an, and, and an objective with this house. And it's, not, and it's not completed. It's moving forward. I'm going to finish with this. Let's skip to slide number 12, sister, please. Slide number 12, here's a person that I admire. You all know about the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah the builder, the one that built the walls of a city in 52 days. Watch this, because I'm, I'm going to really skim through this very fast with the time I have left. Nehemiah is another word that received a vision from God. Watch this. And he prayed for four months to be able to set out and do the work in 52 days. Do you notice what I noticed? He prayed more than what he labored. He prayed more from the month of Kislev, which is November, December, to the month of March, April, which is the month of Nisan. Four months praying. What did he pray for? He prayed for favor. You know what the meaning of the word favor means? Compassion means that Whatever I say to you means that you will sympathize with what I say and have compassion for the cause that I'm communicating to the point that you are going to endorse me, you're going to support me, you're going to finance me, and you're going to be part of the work that God is calling me to do. That's favor. There's no way to mess it up with all my imperfections. When God chooses you, you can't do no wrong. Because God is perfected among his, his people are perfected because the Holy Spirit is with us. For four months he prayed. He prayed for favor and for financing. If anything, that's an indication to us that the, the time God needs to bring about fruition, what he wants among his people, doesn't take a long time. The reason why sometimes... It takes a long time is because we don't want to pay the price. We know the prayer open doors. But we don't. And, and that's the difference between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. A person, that's what, that's what I said in the first service. When you move, when you elevate yourself from having information, okay, from, from having understanding, and move it to the level of wisdom, from having knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge. We, did, we live in the digital age. A lot of digital knowledge to the point that the term uh, capital, capital knowledge has been coined to mean that the more you know, the more equity you have in yourself. So you're going to be sought after by companies, by entities, because you're an expert. You have an expertise about something. But when we elevate from knowledge to wisdom, it means that I allow God to operate through me to bring about his will for the benefit of his people. So Nehemiah prayed for four months. And this is what his prayer included. I'm in slide number 12. Nehemiah said, when I heard these words, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before God of heaven. 
When God gives you a vision, it's going to cause pain inside of you. It's going to hurt because you're going to see the need that no one else, the average eye, can't see. You're going to develop the compassion that the average person doesn't have. While others have apathy, you're going to grow on love. You're going to want to embrace instead of giving your back. And sometimes that causes pain. But pain is very often the birth canal of vision. I'm going to say that again. Very often, pain and painful experiences is the birth canal of a new vision. So I say, church, what does that mean? Whatever pain we're going through, whatever pain you've experienced, Whatever difficulty you've been through, that means God is about to give birth to your new vision and a new season in your life. He prayed for favor, and he didn't want to build the whole city. What did he want to build? The walls. Why? Because a city without walls in that time is like having an address here in the Lehigh Valley with no front door and no locks. Totally exposed. Totally exposed. So walls were important. Why? Because number one, walls provided safety. Safety for what? From what? Safety from all the wild animals. Walls would serve as a safety boundary so that wild animals will not come and eat their young. Number two. Walls were important because they offer protection. Protection from what? Protection from all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Another important element. Offer protection. Number three, it served as a boundary. As a boundary to other people, to other clans. What does that mean? It gave them an address. This address to the city that God has given to his people has a boundary wall, meaning this is our home. This is where God reigns supreme. God has given a wall to this congregation. God has given an address to this congregation. And not only a physical address, it has given a spiritual address. It has given an, a, a moral address. It has given a social address where it serves as a beacon of radiance to the entire community. And last but not least, these walls were important because they provided unity. A sense of belonging to those that lived within the walls. Of this city. So why is that important to us? Why is, is all this important? Because Nehemiah like Habakkuk understood. That their, that their vision. Was unique. You and I can now save the entire world. Jesus already did that work. Jesus gave his life already. All we have to do is. Make disciples of the people that we are in relationship with. That's all we have to do. Why is vision important? Because it's, it's unremovable and it's unshakable. Look what Jeremiah said. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more, any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. And I'm, I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. When God gives a people, a person, a family, a vision... There's no way you can keep it inside. You can't. It's going to burn inside of you. 
is going to launch you to say things sooner or later. Can we go to slide 22, sister, please? So I can conclude here. Slide 22. Look at these trees right there. That one, the one you had there. Thank you. That slide right there, those are the sequoia trees. That along with the redwood trees are the biggest trees in the world. And we are privileged and blessed to have those here in the United States. They're actually in California. I've been in that place. And I felt, I felt I was like, you remember the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I felt very diminutive, very small. And I took my family, my wife and my kids, we went there. Beautiful place. If you love camping, you love the outdoors, that's one of the wonders of the world that you need to see. But what caught my attention is the following. To have trees that are thousands of years old, like that. Make up a forest, and you look up, and you there's no way you can see the treetop. All you see is this overwhelming trunk, this overwhelming base and stem of this tree that can very well swallow an SUV. Then you really can say, wow, God is an awesome God. God is an awesome God. But watch this. We've been hearing about the California fires in, in Oregon and Washington this year more than many other years. But actually, these trees cannot reproduce themselves without fire. You see the fire markings right there. And you, when you walk in that forest, you will see some of those already toppled down by fire or by age. But if you light up a fire, you are not going to be able to burn down that tree. The density of, of a stem, it's, it's so big and so dense. It's the strength of a giant tree. It's like you, you're, abiding, you're in the middle of giants. And all you have to do is just stand in awe and, and admire and, and just gaze. And, and like don't, you don't want to leave there. We climb over some of the, we attempted to climb some of the, over, some of the fallen uh, trees. But we couldn't. But what caught my attention is that these trees produce an acorn. They fall on the ground. Next slide, please. They fall on the ground. And guess what? For the seeds to come out of that acorn, fire needs to pop that acorn open. And it's only the power of a, of a, of a forest fire that can do that. A wildfire is the only one that can do that. When, it, when the fire hits the acorn and it opens it, it, it spreads out the seed. You see the seeds on the ground. And in the next slide, you see in due time, after the fire, you see the growth of a new sequoia tree coming up. Now, if I buy some sequoia seeds and bring them to the Lehigh Valley, and I said, Pastor, I gave you, I'm giving you these seeds because God gave me this, this as a symbol. And then let's say you take it and you say, well, well, let's plant a garden in the church. Unbeknownst to you, we may be planting sequoia trees in the backyard of the church. That means we're going to be in trouble. This church will be violating code because those trees can be here. No matter how wonderful they are, they have their own place of belonging. Watch this and I finish. You have to watch the seed that you're spreading. 
because every seed has its rightful place for growth. And, and just like a sequoia tree seed does not belong in the Lehigh Valley, spiritually speaking, congregationally speaking, watch with the seeds that you're bringing to your home. Hello, somebody. Or watch the seeds that you unconsciously, but now from this day forward, you're going to be conscious because I'm opening up your consciousness. Watch the seeds that you're attempting to spread because every seed has its own place. Right where you, are, where you are, would you please stand with me? I'm going to turn this microphone over to the pastors when I'm done with, with this prayer. But I'm going to ask every one of you, if you're visiting with us or you are part of the congregation, this is a congregational moment. This is a moment where as a congregation, we pray together for the lead pastors and for every person that's in every, every man and woman that's part of the pastoral and leadership team, the pastoral team. So this is, this is how we all participate together in praying to God for the pastors, the lead pastors and the pastors that support their ministry. And I'm going to ask you to pray for one thing and one thing only. I'm going to ask you to pray. In fact, I'm going to ask you two things. One is, after having heard, having heard God's word today and the significance and importance to be aware of what the vision is, I want you to pray to God and be sincere with him. Say, God, how can I, how am I part of this? How can I participate in this? Giving my best. I'll lead us in that prayer. And then I'm going to pause for a moment. And I'm going to allow the congregation with your spoken voice to pray a congregational prayer for the pastors. You can pray for health. You can pray for well-being. Pray for protection. For anything that God places in your heart. But pray a prayer of blessing. Pray a prayer of blessing. And I will conclude that prayer with a short prayer. I will turn it over to pastor. Can we do that? With your eyes closed. Let us pray. I'll lead the first prayer. Father, I thank you. Because your word has cut through our understanding. And we are clear now that we are not bystanders. Neither do we we just see what's happening and how you're moving among your people but every person here today young and old has a role to play has a privilege and a responsibility father would you send your spirit and continue to further open opening up our understanding for us to do a self-assessment and ask ourselves what gifts has God been what gifts have you blessed me with that are relevant and that I can employ so that I can contribute to the advancement of this congregation. Father, will you open up our understanding, open up our hearts so that we can selflessly give our best every single day. Bring our best to every conversation. 
to every meeting, to every interaction, to every classroom that for those that teach. Father, would you continue to give us the understanding and the clarity of mind to distinguish wisdom from unwise decisions and always default into your wisdom so that your people can be blessed. Father, I pray that the word that has been spoken today, we make a commitment to wait for it. We make a commitment to run towards it. We're asking to make a move. We're asking to bring a move. We're asking for greater influence, greater impact, both in the marketplace, in our communities, and in this ministry. Father, the pastors are praying. They've been praying for years for you to make a move so that this church can be the birthplace of many people's callings and ministries so that this can be a hub to this community and this cities, the surrounding cities that you still at work in the Lehigh Valley. Father, I pray that every person here, regardless of how long they've been here, that you use them in a powerful way. Father, your people will pray for your servants. And we know that you're attentive to their prayer. Why don't you go ahead and start praying for the pastors right now. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.